The Vikings did it. They traded for a backup quarterback, and you guys asked me a whole bunch of questions about it. It's Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find this show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And boy, we got a lot of news today. Well, not a lot of news. We got some cuts and we have uh, Nick Mullins, a new backup quarterback Joining the competition officially, uh, so now you have a three-way competition for QB2, and I would kind of guess the other two get cut, um, and we'll talk about Nick Mullins and everything. Thankfully, you guys asked me so many questions about it, we can cover all of our bases. But you didn't ask me questions about the cut, so real quick, the Vikings made two quick transactions. Um, they released Albert Wilson, and they really waived injured Julian Taylor. If you remember, Julian Taylor was the guy that um, had a promising career, suffered a horrendous knee injury, and has basically been trying to um, rehab back from that for years and years and years. And the Vikings took a swing on him. He was kind of a quasi guy, never got off the pup. Um, worth a shot, I guess. And then Albert Wilson wasn't having the best camp. He was like wide receiver 10. So he got released by the time you listen to this or by, I think, noon central on uh, Tuesday, the Vikings will have to have their roster down to 80. So more cuts are coming. But that's not what you're here for. That's not what you're here to listen. You're here to hear me talk about Nick Mullins. So I love it when news breaks on a Monday because that means I get to do it mailbag style. You guys ask me questions about Nick Mullins, and I will cover just about pretty much everything you guys want to know about him. If you have questions for me, you can always send them to me at Luke Brown NFL or at Lockdown Vikings. Collect them over the week. Put out a call on Mondays. Um, you can also fill out the Google form in the show notes. You can send an email to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also ask me on Patreon or in the YouTube comments, uh, patreon.com slash NFL. Or uh, if you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment. I'll see it there. So the first question comes from Smith Stan account who asks the conditional pick for Nick Mullins is a seventh, but he only appear only if he appears in one game. What happens if he doesn't in a similar vein? Kirkus Cookus asks, why do you think the condition of the trade are so weird? So here's the information about Nick Mullins. He is traded to the Vikings for a conditional 2024 seventh round pick. The condition of that seventh round pick, as Smith's Stan account uh, said, was that he has to appear in one, he has to be active for one game. So he just has to dress for a game. He doesn't even have to get a snap. He just has to dress for a game. And so what I think that means to Kirkus Cookus is, that he has to basically, that's the new version of making the team. Because with the new practice squad rules, um, there's 16 practice squad people. You can activate practice squad people on game day. That's now long-term. That was like an emergency COVID thing, and they kept it. Um, that kind of means that you could theoretically, you can't say like, well, you have to roster him. Because technically, the Vikings could cut Nick Mullins, put him on the practice squad, get him to agree to a good practice squad salary or something so he won't leave for, to somebody else's 53, and then 
not have to pay any draft picks, but still get him. And actually, that same thing happened a couple years ago. The Vikings pulled that same trick on the Chiefs with Mark Fields, who the Chiefs were going to uh, were, were going to cut Mark Fields, and they said, well, we'll trade him away to, for a conditional seventh. He just has to make the team. And the Vikings cut Mark Fields, put him on the practice squad, and actually had him available on the practice squad. And he actually got into some games um, as a later season activation, but they didn't actually end up paying the pick at all for him. And so I think this is a way to sort of get around that and to prevent that loophole from being exploited. Um, Swede Skull asks a really good way of thinking about this Nick Mullins thing, which is how many seventh round picks from the Spielman era have ever had a more successful career to this point than Nick Mullins? And I will a- answer that, um, but that's not quite the fairest uh, association because what you're getting here, you're not getting all of Nick Mullins's career. You are getting one year of Nick Mullins. So I'm going to reword this a little bit and say how many seventh round draft picks have had a more successful career than what we expect to get out of Nick Mullins, which is one season of being a backup quarterback. How many players have done that? Honestly, more than you think going from 2012, I would say Audi Cole, Michael Mowdy, uh, Jabari Price, Brandon Watson, Shamar Steven all made several teams. Edmund Robinson, um, J. Ron Curse, Stephen Weatherly, Elijah Lee, and that's, oh, B.C. Johnson. Um, I would probably cut it off there. Yeah. So that was like eight players that have done better than one year of backup quarterback that have made the team, I think, for more than one year. Brandon Watts maybe might not have been. Um, that's a pretty good clip for seventh round picks. And I think the price is about right. One of those two years deferred for one year of a backup quarterback. And Hey, if he's a good backup quarterback, maybe you get a good relationship going with him and car cousins and he becomes your guy later, but then you've got to sign him and pay him more. Um, so I, I think the price is pretty right. And th- that's a really low price for a guy like Nick Mullins. So the reason I say that the price is right for a guy like Nick Mullins, here's the thing. Nick Mullins improves on Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond based on what we've seen just from their preseasons. But honestly, Nick Mullins has done more in his career than Mannion or Mond has have sniffed. And of course, Mond's career is way younger. But right now, I if I had to put a guy in a game of those three, it's Nick Mullins, and I'm not even really thinking twice about it. Um, he's on time. That is more than we can say about Mannion, and especially more than we can say about Mond. Mannion's been late. Mond has been later in terms of when the ball arrives, where it is supposed to arrive in the the rhythmic stuff. Nick Mullins does not have that great an arm. He is not going to be slinging the ball downfield on go balls, and his deep ball is pretty bad. But if he's got to step in for a quarter because your quarterback got his ankle rolled up and just like execute a couple of in-rhythm pass concepts and process things and get the ball out of his hands on time. Right now, I trust Nick Mullins pretty much immediately, at, or at least once he tells you, yeah, I feel comfortable with the playbook, I'm putting him in. But he is kind of behind that eight ball in terms of this, and it sounds like he is going to get... um a, He's going to have to prove himself a little bit in this Denver game. And if you cut him... You lose $500,000, which is guaranteed salary that the Vikings have now taken on. And that's it. $500,000 of cap space if you decide, eh, no more for this Nick Mullins thing. That's all you lose. You don't even pay the draft pick because he wouldn't be active for a game, right? So 
very low risk also. If you go into this Denver game and Kellen Mond has the game of his life and you go, I think I am going to stick with Mond as QB2, that option still absolutely available to the Vikings. It wouldn't even be that weird to cut Nick Mullins, eat your 500K and say it was worth a shot. Um, Mr. Root, who is a math teacher at my high school, by the way, uh, so (laughs) love you. Uh, says, I've always heard that Manning is a great film and prep guy for Cousins, but O'Connell was hired to take Cousins to the next level. Would What would be the benefit of keeping Manning on this team as O'Connell takes over the QB whisperer role? Um, so I don't think that it's the same role. Backup quarterbacks do this. Like every team's backup quarterback has a film preparation role throughout the week because you're not taking a lot of reps as the backup quarterback. Like in-season practices don't work like camp practices where you have the twos go and then threes go and all that like in season practices, the backups are doing a lot more prep work and the goal is to get the starters ready right now. The goal is to get everybody ready to play, but as a backup you're doing, especially as a backup quarterback, your goal is to help Kirk cousins. And so whoever takes that job is going to do that role. And Sean Mannion happens to be very good at that particular part of the job, but Nick Mullins could also be very good at that part of the job. He's actually quite the preparer. So I think he could kind of take that over. Um, There's another question here from Pace who says, is there a reason Mannion hasn't been let go and then rehired as an assistant QB coach, saves a roster spot, and he isn't getting a job elsewhere at this point in his career? So the reason is Sean Mannion probably wouldn't say yes to that. Um, And that's a money thing. If you're a backup quarterback in this league, making like the veteran minimum, that's going to be like, I don't know, Sean Mannion's contract is like over a million dollars. An assistant QB coach is not going to make a million dollars in a year, not even close. So you basically have to say, hey, you want to take like a six figure pay cut, maybe even a seven figure pay cut uh, real quick just to be a coach so that we don't have to use a roster spot on you. And he'll go, no, thanks. I'm going to go take my chances elsewhere with another team. And you don't want to lose him to that. If Kirk Cousins is saying, hey, I don't want to lose him to that. You probably want to honor his wishes. Um That's the reason that this hasn't happened. Now, I think we all I think you have a point now, Pace. I think that uh, he might not get another job elsewhere, but I think he deserves the right to try. Um, So I think right now you cut him and you say, hey, if you want to come back and be a coach, if you like working with Kirk Cousins, you want to just come put on a hoodie and we'll pay you what we pay coaches. And, you know, it's, it's a job. It's if you can't find a job anywhere else don't go get a job at a car dealership. Maybe, you know, we'll, we'll get you in a building here. And I do think Sean Mannion has a really bright future as a coach, the way people talk about him, the, the Kevin O'Connell route, right? Um, it will be the team that fosters that, right? Absolutely would be more than happy to, but I think he deserves the right to go see if somebody else wants to pay him for his arm. And if nobody does come on around, but you got to understand that that's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars, less money for him. Um, so he's not going to take that out of the kindness of his heart. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other questions here that are not Nick Mullins questions. Um, hopefully I have answered your Nick Mullins question, but I think most of our Nick Mullins questions, which the the key one is, is he the backup quarterback? And that is not a guarantee is going to be answered in this Denver game. Um, and we can talk about it more, but I do want to answer everybody else's questions here on Twitter Tuesday. So first, let me talk to you about AG1 by Athletic Greens. It is a product that I've been taking every day for a while now um, that helps my gut. G- gut health is a very underrated part of health. Um, your gut bacteria, the microbes in your gut, have all kinds of impacts on your body, on your level of energy, on your just your general health and nutrition, but also your ability to 
get up in the morning and feel better. Like gut health is this like revolutionary thing. And AG1 really helps. It's just one scoop in a glass of water every day, put some pineapple juice in it if you want. And that's, uh, I've heard that's pretty good. Um, it's got 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you get going in the morning. It was invented by a guy who was sick of taking a bunch of vitamins. He needed like a really strict vitamin regimen as like part of his own health plan. And he was sick of taking all those pills and it was expensive. So he said, how can I just put this into a powder and have one glass of water and have it over with? So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out a fantasy football podcast. We got a couple here daily at the Lockdown Network, Lockdown Fantasy Football and Lockdown Dynasty Football. That'll get you ready for, I'm sure you all have your drafts coming up. Do it so that you can beat your coworkers and make them feel bad. Also, check out the Minnesota Football Party on the Lockdown Minnesota Sports Podcast feed. That's got that. It's an ensemble show about the Vikings with me and Arif Hassan and Sam Ekstrom and Luke Inman. Uh, you can also find Superior Sports Talk and the Ron Johnson Show there, talking all things Minnesota sports. Um, the next question comes from Landon, who also lets me plug a thing. He says, in honor of Andrew Booth drawing a punch out in your Vikings history series, what past Vikings player had the most dog in him? You know the way to my heart, Landon. Let me plug my history series. The History of the Minnesota Vikings is a seven-part documentary series. Um, covering in depth, the stories surrounding the Vikings were through part four of seven part five comes out this weekend. I would love it. If you checked it out, you can find it at patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL free to watch. Um, what past Vikings player had the most dog in him with a bullet? Joe cap, Joe cap would fight anyone. He knocked a linebacker out cold as a quarterback on a scramble. He got into a fist fight as an old man with another old man that he had CFL be from in the 50s, and this was in 2011, Joe Cap had infinite dog in him. There's no player in the history of the NFL that had more dog in him than Joe Cap. Joe Cap gave up the highest salary in the league to take the NFL to court over a contract stipulation he didn't like. That man had infinite dog in him. And it that also like changed the relationship between the NFL and the NFLPA forever. And free agency looks the way it does, in part because of the legal precedent set by that lawsuit that was then leveraged by the strike of 1974, led by Alan Page. Um, it's Joe Cap, and it's not close. Uh, Skull Squatch asks, thoughts on Austin Schlotman? Seemed to have a pretty good game against the 49ers. A lot of people asked about Austin Schlotman. Um, sounds like you get got a good PFF grade, but you know, on this show, we don't worry about that kind of thing. Um, but I thought he had a pretty good game. I do disagree with PFF on one thing. I know PFF didn't give him any pressures. I credit him with one and that is Kellen Mond being, uh, flushed out of the pocket. They might say that Mond held the ball too long, but I do think Schlotman called the wrong protection and then didn't react to a stunt properly. He didn't pull off of his block and react to it. Um, I think right now Austin Schlotman is making a great case to be a backup center. I don't think he started guaranteed a roster spot, and I think he has made a great case for a roster spot. Some people are talking about starting him. He weighs the same as Bradbury. So if you're 
whole goal is to get a bigger center. Austin Schlotman does not solve this problem. And I don't think he's better at hop technique, and I don't think he's better at like footwork and stuff and anchoring against bigger bull rushers. I just don't think anybody's playing their big bull rushers in the preseason, so we haven't seen that tested. So I don't think Schlotman is an improvement over Bradbury. I think that's a lot of wishful thinking. Again, if you want an improvement over Bradbury, I've been saying it. you got to look outside the organization, and that is an option. Um but I don't think you're going to find it in Schlotman or Chris Reed or some like Hail Mary of, of Wyatt Davis. Uh, but hey, I think he's acquitted himself well in terms of his uh, his odds to make the team. And I've got him in my next 53-man prediction. And I didn't have him before. So he's earned that. Uh, Jamese Quits asks, if Andrew Booth's injury is serious, what are the implications for our depth? Does it also affect how many slot corners we decide to keep versus boundary? Yeah. Okay. So there's a bunch of interesting things here. Um, Andrew Booth's ankle injury is a little more than day to day, I believe were the words that Kevin O'Connell said. So that's not um, that serious, but it's more serious than, oh, you know, he maybe could play tomorrow. Maybe not. He's a little worse than day to day. So he might miss a little bit of time. I don't think that affects the roster composition that much unless he goes on pup. If he goes on pup to start the season um, and he's out for six weeks, that opens up a new roster spot. Somebody else makes it. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know how much it affects the depth. You still have Chris Boyd and a Caleb Evans would then be the backup corners. Um, here's the thing about the slot corners. I don't think any of them have played well enough to make a roster. <laughs> like I, I, Perry Nickerson has not been good. Nate Harrison has not been good. Harrison Hand has not been good. Those are your backup nickel options. And I don't think any of them should be on a 53 man roster the way they have played in camp in the preseason. Um, so if you want a backup nickel, then you're going to have to probably grab somebody off of waivers or do a trade like you did with Mullins, um, or you have Cam Bynum do it. I think that's what happens. If Chandon Sullivan gets hurt, then I think Cam Bynum becomes your nickel corner. That's probably where I'm at right now. I think he's the second best person at playing slot corner in, in on the team, and you just like live in, I guess, nominally three safety every time you go to nickel. Um, but he would be like playing nickel corner. I guess it depends on the coverage, but... That, I don't know. I, I don't think Andrew Booth's injury will affect that one way or another, both because there's a lot of boundary corner depth um, and the slot corner depth like isn't good to begin with. So like you're in a bad situation and it doesn't really change by Booth going down and Booth wasn't ever going to play inside anyways. Uh, but it, also his injury doesn't seem like, if it does keep him out for any amount of time, it shouldn't be much. Like I don't think it's going to keep him out for months. Scoliosis asks, if they keep Mond, would they have Mond active and Mullins inactive every week? Then if Kirk goes down, have Mond for that week and then Mullins moving forward or just give away the pick week one and activate Mullins at QB2? I, I think this question gets answered in Denver. Um, if you want to try to get away with keeping Nick Mullins but not giving up a 2024 seventh round pick, then yeah, that would be how you do it. Although every time you have him on the, for every minute you have him on the practice squad, somebody else can poach him from you. And then you lose Nick Mullins entirely and you're out $500,000 because you cut him with that guaranteed money. So if it were me, I probably am putting, I mean, just because I'm predicting that Nick Mullins is a better quarterback, but he's got to prove it in Denver. I, I got to see this confirmed in Denver. I'm not put, writing anything in pen right now, but I think you do just, give up the pick week one and say, good job. You did it. He dressed. He's your second best quarterback. I think you do this on merit. Who is your second best quarterback? Make him the backup. And I don't really see a point in getting cute to save resources and possibly losing a game. You otherwise would have won. If Kirk cousins goes down and you would have won with Mullins, but you don't win with Mond. That is not worth a seventh round pick two years from now. Um, trying to save that to like expose yourself to that situation. 
Um, Goggles asks, is there anything we can learn from Kevin O'Connell's play calling so far? I know it's dramatically reduced playbook for preseason, but maybe situational play calls like third and long. I think we can learn a lot. And I've been talking about a lot on this show, but it's hard to get like comprehensive in a podcast format. So I actually have some plans for my Patreon to do this, to do some video stuff. Um, But basically, if you buy the 2021 Rams offensive manual, which I actually have if you're on YouTube. I am holding it in front of the camera right now, the 2021 Los Angeles Rams complete offensive manual by Bobby Peters. You can purchase this on Amazon, and I highly recommend you do so if you are into X's and O's, because I have seen just about everything (laughs) that I've seen from the Vikings so far can be found somewhere in this book or in something similar for the 49ers. Um, It's going to be that. And that's what we learned about Kevin O'Connell's play calling in terms of like what he'll do on second and longs and run pass ratio and stuff. Those are questions. I don't, I think those are, are more random answers than you would hope. Just the way play calling goes is a lot more is sequenced differently than that. Um, and so if you're looking for like the Warren sharp run pass ratio kind of stuff, I don't think we learn a lot from that in preseason. No, but if you want to actually understand the offense, um, and you are up for a pretty dense playbook book, then I highly recommend that. Or listen to Locked on Vikings and go follow my Patreon, and I'll try to take you through it the best I can. I have a bunch more questions, but first, it's kind of hiring season, um, especially as you know, kids coming out of college, coming off their summers and stuff. But if you have a job that you need to fill, let me point you to LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is like the place to go for hiring on LinkedIn. Um, simple tools like screening questions. They have a way to post your job for free and they have all kinds of tools to help that job posting match you up with candidates that actually give you what you need them to give you. Um, So LinkedIn Jobs can help you find those candidates that you want to talk to and faster and easier. Nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn every week. So you will find the people you are looking for. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. The next question comes from Cho, who says, how likely is it that KJ overtakes Thielen for wide receiver two, and how will we know that that has happened? Oh, I don't think I'm ready to say it. I don't don't think so quite yet. KJ looks phenomenal. I'm actually very excited about how KJ Osborne looks as a wide receiver, and so I do think that this is the, it ain't zero percent, all right? There is a chance. How we know that that will have happened, um... I think you probably can just do it on snap counts or routes run, like just routes run, like charting data. You can find it like PFF. Um, That's probably how I would define it. If KJ starts running more routes than Thielen and and it's not like an injury thing, I don't think it will. It happened week one, but it certainly could as the season goes on. And then Thielen becomes more of a red zone guy or a third down guy or, you know, a third and six. He'll be your receiver. East Coast Vikings fan asks, what percentage of Kirk Cousins struggles to take his game to an elite level? Uh, can be blamed on the Vikings' revolving door of offensive coordinators. This has always been super overblown to me. He is learning a new scheme this offseason. He didn't learn a new scheme the entire Kubiak time. He learned a new scheme with uh, John D. Filippo, and then he learned another new one when Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski came in 2019. And the playbook has been more or less exactly the same. To a fault, even. It's been really predictable. <laughs> but 
he hasn't been learning new terminology, no new plays. You always add wrinkles every offseason, whether your OC changes or not. But going from shadow Gary Kubiak to officially Gary Kubiak to son of Gary Kubiak is no. Jay Hine asks, does Asamoa indicate the future of inside linebacker for this team? And is he somewhat of the mold of trained dog that you mentioned compared to Kendricks having great all around instincts? Does that position in the new scheme have limited pass protection expectation or pass rush expectations? I think is what you meant. And is Asamoa good in pass rush? Um, so he is a good blitzer. He fires very quickly. Um, and so I, I do think you see in the mold, like athletically what Asamoa is. He is rangy. He gets from one place to another very fast. And that is clearly very important to the Vikings. That is also the case with Booth and scene and a little bit like athletically, at least at Ingram um, on the other, like other side of the ball. That was the case with the Caleb Evans too. Like that was very important to them drafting wise. Um, he's not in the right place all the time. And so the trained dog thing, well, he's not finished training if, if we're going to do that. Austrian Vikings fan asks, who do you think would be the most and least interesting Viking on hard knocks? Least interesting would be Kirk Cousins for sure. He would try so hard and he would do like Nick Cage things and he would absolutely get on the show. Like the least interesting Viking is the one that doesn't get on the show, right? Um, but Kirk Cousins would get on and then be like just kind of annoying. Like I, I could totally see it. The most interesting, I'm going to steal one from Gabe Henderson who said, uh, I asked Gabe Henderson on the Minnesota football party. He does Viking entertainment network. Who would be the best podcast co-host? And he said, Dalvin Tomlinson. And that is a perfect answer. Dalvin Tomlinson would be one of the most interesting people to talk to. He has a ton of like random tertiary interests. He's the kind of guy that like will take you down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and it'll be like the funnest night of your life. Um, and I think he, him being sort of, they called him like a renaissance man, not unlike Stephen Weatherly, honestly. Uh, and they called him that back at like college. That would be a really interesting guy to talk to. And I think Andrew Booth would be also really great because he's just completely insane. Um, Skullbowl asks, Kirk's war, meaning he's no longer freaking around. What are the Vikings odds of winning the Super Bowl? And why is it 100%? You answered your own question, buddy. That's an answer. Kirk Cousins swearing. Look, on the chaos meter, that's deep in the green. That's firmly green behavior. Kirk Cousins letting out an F-bomb in a, in the, in a moment of passion. That's what we, we want to see Kirk Cousins play with a little passion. I don't want the cerebral CEO. I want him to play with a little bit of oomph, some gusto. Let's go. Uh, Zachary Hayes asks, favorite mac and cheese? I refer you to Andy Reid's recipe. You can Google this. A bunch of articles were written about it when Charles McDonald ran into him at the airport and asked him for a recipe. And he said, here's your mac and cheese. And he wrote it down. It's a five cheese mac and cheese with like Gruyere and um, Gouda. And then like your kind of classics and a little bit of dry mustard powder. We actually made it last year. Oh my God, y'all. We also put some breadcrumbs and like broiled it. So we got a little toast on it. Like, and we put some broccoli on that too. If you like crumble up some broccoli and uh, broil it like breadcrumbs, it has a little bit of like broccoli flavor, which I really like some, it's not for everybody, um, but it gets kind of roasty to salt a bunch of it and it gets, turns into these kind of crispies. Um, unreal. We couldn't stop eating it. Uh, Spurgeon wins burner asks what type of bunny is best? Uh, mine, obviously. I will talk to you all tomorrow. I want to talk about defense tomorrow. Um, Syed Schemes, who I had on a couple of weeks ago on the show, did some stuff like charting out some of the Vikings defense and actually has some really interesting insights and I want to talk about it. So I'm going to bring all that up. We'll, we'll get deep X's and O's. We'll talk about the cuts and stuff that happened tomorrow. Till then, I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.